Hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name is Gary. My name is Adam. And we're at episode 175. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kidneys? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do who fans? It's 175. Hope you've all had a good, awesome, cracking week. And that you've all managed to do something, something Doctor to who related. related. How have you been, Mr. Adam? I've been good. Thank you very much. I've just realised though I haven't really managed to do anything Doctor Who related this week, which uh, is disappointing. <laughs> um, it's just because that we've had, you know, we're doing Seeds of Death as a review this week. It's six episodes, man. I was like, yeah. oh, going to have to find the time for that. But um, obviously more on that later. So, yeah, I haven't really managed to do much. I didn't finish off um, whatever that Fifth Doctor big finish was I was listening to last week. You know, I said I got halfway through and got a bit bored. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, Kingdom of Lies, wasn't mm. it? Um, yeah, I didn't finish that off. I haven't had any time for big finish, so... Not much going on very in the quiet. Geeks household. Yeah, yeah. very quiet. Mm. Yeah. What about you? I've done a couple of things. Have you? Only very small, yeah. So uh, alongside watching Seeds of Death, uh, oh, yes. I, I finished up the McCoy um, era watch through um, from the special collector's edition set that I never mention on the show. <laughs> so that was really cool to get through that. Now, once again, just hits home uh, just mm. how underrated mccoy is and his era mm. very much so so i loved watching through all of that which is good and i also went to the who shop after you posted oh, yes some pics in your recent travels i thought i haven't been there in ages let's uh yeah. let's drag the family over to um <laughs> over to east wheezy and have a look in there so that was cool picked up a few bits in there um and i don't <laughs> i don't know if it's me i'm not i must just be a magnet for controversial stuff that happens in there. Um, <laughs> but there was a, there was a, a family in there, uh, an adult and their sort of teenage daughter, I think. And they were from Germany. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure how long they'd been in there before I walked in there, but um, they were looking at, cause you know, as you go in, you've got the Dalek on the right hand side. The gold one. Yeah. Yeah. And then next to that, you've got the big bookshelf. Yeah. So they were standing there and they were looking through some books and the husband slash dad went over to them uh, <laughs> with his phone out. I assume he was about oh, no. to <gasps> take a, a few snaps and, and boom, they, they were on him like a shot. <laughs> so, but it wasn't the owner this time. It was oh. somebody just came darting out because throughout the shop, they've got these little 
sort of stickers that are on the front of the shelves and littered around, mm. and it just says, smile, you're on camera. So I assume that out the back, they've got a screen there or screens, and they can see what's going on in the shop. But yeah. literally, from the, the time it took for him to get his phone out of his jacket pocket and sort of halfway up to going into portrait mode to take a photo, somebody, I've never seen him before, somebody had darted from out the back into the, you know, into the shop floor and... <laughs> No, I'm very sorry. Pictures are not allowed. You know, permission, all that stuff. And I was just stood there thinking, here we go again. I wish they'd pop out the Dalek. So wouldn't that be brilliant if they're hiding in the Dalek behind the door? Just the lid opens up. No, Paradise, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. And and it happened again as well. So, you know, I've said that there's a a young lad that works in there. He's got glasses. Mm. He must only be, I don't know, 18 or something. And... uh, there was another person in there and she had gone up to the desk and said, do you mind if I take a couple of photos? Because mm. she'd obviously seen the signs that say no photos without permission. And uh, and he said, yeah, it's fine. You can you can take pictures in front of the Dalek. You can take pictures in front of the TARDIS that we've got. He said, but strictly nowhere else in the shop is allowed. Oh. So he said, you can do it in front of that, in front of that. But anywhere else is strictly, those are his words, strictly forbidden. Forbidden. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it, it was just hilarious because I'd heard this so many times and I'd been uh, on the receiving end of it myself a couple of times. Yeah. And it was just hilarious. I, was, I just stood there and I thought, because you and I, had, we, well, you and I and some other people, when we went out after the Day of the Doctor screening in London, mm. we were trying to wrap our heads around this, weren't we? Because it's such a regular occurrence and it's not like... And it's not like they sort of lapse over time and they just become comfortable. They are literally on your back within seconds if they yeah, see yeah. you with a camera or a phone. So we were trying to get our heads around it, weren't we? And, and I would be so intrigued to find out why they've got this no pictures policy in the shop because you and sort of you and I and some other people were saying it's kind of sort of strange business strategy, isn't it? Because we were, we've said many times that the more pictures that they should encourage people to take and then say, you know, just put signs up saying, go nuts with your camera phone. Mm. As long as you hashtag the who shop or you include our Twitter name, whatever it is, because the more sort of buzz they generate, you know, the more sort of people they get in the shop, surely that equals more revenue. You know, I I must admit, I mean, it's their shop, so run it how they want. But yeah, if it was my shop, I'd be like, almost force him <laughs> i'd be like go and get a picture in front of that dialogue and get it on twitter you know i'd, I'd want it out there everywhere possible yeah uh, if it was me yeah. but then you know that's that's my my thing thing is they yeah. do it, you're right if you ask there's no problem normally but you do have to ask yeah um it's weird yeah <laughs> oh dear i'd just i'd love the thought of you just creeping around to looking at the books and then someone opening the tardis door no photos oh <laughs> just hiding <laughs> in all the props that they've got in the shop it'd be brilliant uh but i did see you got some good stuff there funny enough you picked up a book that i picked up when i was in there the other week but i put it back because oh. um I uh, know because only because of the financials because i obviously bought the sea devil um so before I saw him in the cabinet, I'd picked up a few bits. And mm. one of them was the merchandise book that you picked up. And, um, yeah, as I said, I only put it back cause I realized I couldn't afford it as I was buying the sea devil. Um, so yeah, you got that, which looked really nice. It's kind of like an unofficial guide to Dr. Merchandise over the years, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's the Paul yeah. Berry book. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably get it next time I'm in actually. Mm. Um, did I spy a TARDIS test, 
uh, desk tidy. You nice did. Time. Yes. Yeah, which I don't remember seeing when I was in there, but they got so much stuff. It was probably there right in front of me. But Yeah, it was, um, it, it's kind of, they have got this shelf, which has got loads of mugs and teapots and all that stuff on it. Um, and because everything is in a very similar TARDIS designed box, it kind of, it all morphs into one. So you do have to sort of forage around. They had a few boxed, boxed ones uh, there. But I remember us talking about it Um in Merch Corner, I think it was end of last year, Ages mid of last ago. year. Yeah, and I remember us saying at the time we're a bit sort of torn on it because it's one of those things where it could look really good, but it also could be a bit rubbish if it wasn't done correctly. But this does look quite good. I haven't unboxed it yet. I'm going to do that at the weekend, but it does look pretty good. Yeah, that's why I was yeah. intrigued by it because I remember thinking, well, I want to see the real thing hmm. um, before I decide whether I want to get one. Um, and what was the other thing you got? Uh, just a t-shirt, a replacement one. It's got oh, all t- the different TARDIS models across the front. Yes. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. So that was fun and games as usual mm-hmm. <laughs> over at the Who Shop. And it's if if anyone's in there and they do happen to uh, get away with taking some snap, then do let us know how you got away with that. Um, and if anybody who works at the Who Shop who happens to listen to this or whatever, please know that, you know, all these sort of funny stories, they're not in any way sort of intended to put any negative press towards the who shop or anything like that it really isn't it's just we find it very bizarre that it's you know it's like the opposite of what we think you should be doing and it's all it almost feels like you want this sort of exclusive little club Mm. of of only sort of strict doctor who fans that know about the shop that go there it's very i don't know it's just bizarre so it's not a big negative thing we don't want to give you any bad press or, or anything like that it's just it's more funny than it is uh, annoying. <laughs> yeah, I must admit, I'm dying to go back there. I had such a good day there last time mm. I was there. I've been itching to itching to get back. Um, but yeah, I haven't been to London since, actually. But yeah. yes, next time I'm in London, I might just... It is a bit out of it, isn't it? Upton Park, that yeah. way. So yeah. it's, a, it's a special journey, but um, yeah, I do like going there. I'll probably pick up that book next time I'm in there as well, uh, if you recommend it. Yeah, Wait it does you've had good. a flick for it. It looked yeah. good. Yeah, I must admit, it looked good enough. When I had a flick through. Yes. Indeed. Um, so we haven't got any news. We're very light on news this week. Mm. Nothing at all. But before we get on to some merch, this is not like a proper news section. So let's talk about a few a few uh, rumours that have been buzzing around. Yeah. So because we don't really discuss these things in the proper news section because they're unconfirmed, we can give our opinion on a couple of things that have been doing the rounds. So the first one is this... Uh, very cryptic message that Billy Piper put on her Snapchat account. Uh, I think it was about three or four days ago, wasn't it? Was it three days yeah, ago? Yeah, it's only a few days ago, yeah. yeah. And it was a bit cryptic, but then I, I haven't seen it personally, but I hear that there was a little rose emoji that was attached ah. to it. And so, you know, Who fans being Who fans have leapt on it immediately and now, you know, people are celebrating Rose returning to Doctor Who and they're celebrating... <laughs> You know, mm. Rose, the, the spin-off show that's imminently about to land on our screens. But I don't know. What do you reckon to this? Billy Piper making a TV comeback in some shape or form for Doctor Who? Oh, I'd be surprised. Mm. I don't, will admit. I mean, I, I couldn't work out where this is all coming from at first. I sort of started seeing it on Twitter about um, Rose is coming back. Oh, no. Oh, brilliant. Um, and I was thinking, what? <laughs> Where's this? Where the hell's this come from? And then obviously it, it all leads back to 
Billy's Snapchat, which she set up a week ago. Um, yeah, like you said, in this little emoji. But I'd, I'd be surprised, only because um, everything we've learned from Chibnall so far is is that this massive reset button has been pressed. And I, unless he wants to you know, have a little throwback to the series just to bring in viewers... Uh, I don't know. I can't see it myself. But then again, if you'd have told me that John Sim would come back as the master, I would have laughed in your <laughs> face. So, you know, I'll never write anything off um, for sure. But personally, I'm not in any rush to see Rose again. How about you? I feel the same. I I, mm. I feel like, you know, Rose was in it a lot yeah. <laughs> in the RTD years, you know. Um, and the last thing we want is another Clara situation where mm. you know oh just the name yeah uh, do you know what i mean it's um <laughs> yeah because what was rose she was companion for what three series no two was it two, two and a bit two series and then she come back in series four didn't she with donna and that's right she had yeah. funny teeth or something yeah talked funny yeah um and what was clara clara was three runs uh clara was eight series long <laughs> <laughs> no, Clara just seemed to go on forever, but I don't know. Yeah, because I think, yeah, something like that. So, yeah. But I just feel like it would be, you know, a bit overkill just because we've seen. And also, I mean, I think maybe because Billy Piper's, you know, had a bit of a, 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 a new revival herself with it, you know, with the big finish that she did with, mm. with David Tennant. Maybe that sort of ignited her sort of love of the of the show again maybe but it's all a bit cryptic because the snapchat has just got it just says billy piper has news big smiley face mm. and then across the middle it just says what could it be smiley face and then a rose at the end mm. so that's what making people go nuts about it but when is it see i hate it when people do that because <laughs> there's no follow-up no so it's like yeah. we're talking a couple of days ago and by the time this podcast out it'll be a few days and you know like if you're going to announce something yeah let <laughs> and announce it <laughs> exactly yeah it's a bit of a but i i would say if it's anything doctor who related at all yeah. it's probably big finish related i would that's what i think yeah i would i would yeah. i'd be more inclined to think it's big finish there is part of me though i've got this funny little gut feeling though that it could be could be true i don't know why i think it's just because maybe it's the john sim thing it seems so unlikely but then i just feel like it could actually happen you mean uh, as in a tv comeback yeah i don't right. know i've just got like i can't imagine it but just there's just this little gut instinct that maybe it could be true i don't know right uh, okay i'll read you mm. but i'm yeah. not yeah i don't know I, if she comes back fine but yeah it wouldn't be i wouldn't be too worried if it turns out to be you know big finish or diary of a cool girl series eight <laughs> <laughs> you know something different yeah i i would yeah i would bet money on it being like a a standalone sort of rose adventures thing with big I finish could be. Yeah. yeah it could be that yeah. yeah 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 so that's one thing that's that broke the internet for a while mm. nothing concrete there yet the other thing that's been doing the rounds is this rumor that the the broadcasting slot might move to a sunday evening instead of saturday yeah now this is a this is a strange one because they've tried this before haven't they well yeah they've <laughs> moved it around um well i gotta say one thing i can't stand is when they don't keep the time slot 
the same. That really bugs me. Because, yeah. um, you know, like, was it Series 8 where it kept moving? Or well, yep. Series 9, wasn't it? It was 9, yeah. Sometimes it was on a quarter to six and then it might be half seven and then it was really late at one point half past eight so you know you never know when it's on so <laughs> yeah but they, they have they have messed around with the scheduling for dot two quite a bit um of late uh, i don't know how i feel about a sunday night because when i've initially read that my my first gut feeling was no doctor who's belongs on a saturday evening but then the more i thought about it i was thinking about the way you know things are now on a Saturday evening Mm -hmm. and how, you know, people don't sit down together and watch TV anymore, particularly. And so I started to think maybe Sunday evening would, would be a good thing because quite often, you know, I go out on a Saturday or whatever. And I think about the times we've said, Oh, I'm going to miss it live this weekend, you know, but I'll catch it on the iPlayer and stuff. Whereas very often, and it could just be me, but very often I'm in on a Sunday night because I've got work the next day. And all I do is sit and watch the TV on a Sunday night. So yeah, I'm yeah. thinking it might not be a bad thing. Although my initial reaction was no, you know, but then I think back to Peter Davidson's era when I, I was in my mind think that was on at the weekends but it wasn't was it it used to be on a tuesday and a thursday i think yeah it was a week you know yeah weeks to weekday slot so yeah you know there's nothing to say doctor who has to be on a saturday lunchtime plus it kind of gets lost doesn't it in between all the strictly and exactly. x factor yeah. and yeah. what's the other thing it, it it seems to get shoved around because it's not been prime time for a while it's been shoved around in between or before those shows mm-hmm. um and yes, I know X Factor's on the other side. I'm just saying, you know, it's sort of against it. And so, you know, maybe a Sunday evening might not be a bad shout. Indeed. It's um, it's an interesting one because, yeah, I think the main, I think the idea behind it is because Strictly is the prime ratings puller. And the Beeb love it. They, they absolutely love Strictly. If any of our overseas listeners don't know what we're talking about, there's a, a very popular celebrity dancing show called strictly come dancing and it's the biggest ratings puller for the bbc when it's on Mm. so everything else including doctor who has sort of got to play second fiddle to that yeah and it gets sort of shoved around in and around strictly doesn't it it's uh you know it's never gonna you know have any say on (laughs) you know the 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 creators are never going to say to the BBC bosses, you need to bump strictly so we can get (laughs) doctor who never happen it's never going to happen so yeah, it kind of gets flung around a little bit. So me personally, I don't see any problem with moving it to a Sunday night at all. Uh, I, I think it would get a more stable time. I think it would have a regular time. And it wouldn't be on so late as well, because that was another criticism of the previous series, was that mm-hmm. some of our younger viewers would, you know, be you know, it, on their way to bed at some evenings when, you know, eight, half past eight, and then it wouldn't finish until gone nine o'clock. So mm. that was when some of the younger viewers would be off to bed, ready for school. Oh, sorry, uh, off to bed. Um, so yeah, I've got no problem at all with it being on a Sunday evening. If it was on at say, I don't know, six thirty, seven o'clock, maybe on a Sunday yeah, evening. I was going to be... say seven o'clock would be about right. I reckon perfect on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I, I know some people will have an issue with it. Of course, this is Doctor Who, so there's bound mm-hmm. to be, you know, half a dozen thousand fans who are strictly against it and there'll be a petition on the government website and all that stuff but <laughs> yeah I, I don't see a problem with it really um because you're taking away the, the big competition as well especially like you said when x factor is on the other channel mm. doctor who doesn't get a look in and i th- 
and I think because the ratings have gone down slowly over the years, because of those other big programs that pull in all the numbers, mm. you know, it's uh, why not give it its own little platform? I don't know if there's anything else on on a Sunday night that would be a big. That's why. That's why I'm thinking. You got none it. of the soaps. Uh, you know, you got. No, you don't have soaps on a Sunday, do? You? I, I don't, don't think watch so. them, so I'm no. questioning myself. But no, I mean, I yeah, I, I can see it working. Uh, as I said, all of this is just rumor. So, you know, listeners. Don't go taking this as gospel or start writing to the BBC just yet. It's all just rumour. But, um, yeah, yeah. you know, as I said, if it did come to fruition, then, yeah, I, think, I, I can imagine it, actually. I, I, the more I think about it, I quite like the thought of it. Like, you know, the weekend's over, snuggle up, Doctor Who's on Monday the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can, yeah, I can see it. Yeah. I can see it working. Mm. Be good. Yes, it would. But just rumours. Just rumours. Just rumours, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, we've got no news. No. To speak we have got some good merch, though, haven't we? Yeah, shall we get him in? Come on, get him in. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. First up, special edition is on the way, the first one of 2018. <laughs> it is, of course, <laughs> the enemy of the world. Special edition. Special edition, yeah. Yes. With a lovely new cover. Yes. Lee Binding has done his magic once more. You're all mate. You're always chatting to him on Twitter. You are, all right, Lee? All right, mate? He's a cool guy. Yeah, I know. He's a, good, he's a cool guy, yeah. And he's got skills with a Z. <laughs> where it concerns his artwork, especially for Doctor mm. Who. It's uh, it's amazing. And this cover looks really, really good. I like it. Really good. Um, so when did this come out, the standard edition? Was it 2016? No, no, no. Um, when it, did it come out? I, I thought it was quite a while ago now, actually. Oh, um, I thinking, hold on, I'm thinking of... Uh, I'm thinking of a different one. Maybe this was a f- quite a few years ago then. Was it 2015? I would have said 2012 or something like that. I'm going to Google it. Yeah. 2013. 2013, okay. Right. Yeah. So that's when this came out prior. Yeah. Standard one. Uh, so what are your opinion on these special edition versions then? What well, do you well I, I don't mind. I mean, I, I'm actually, I was getting quite annoyed um, today looking at Twitter because so what happened is <laughs> as usual um, BBC Worldwide seemed to have really lost the plot of late so you know we <laughs> used to get advanced uh, it, it's really funny because even the official Doctor Who online Twitter page was slagging off BBC Worldwide last night I was thinking okay so if they're prepared to say it then we know there's there's trouble um, so what happened was rather than you know letting us know and put a proper announcement they do, it just suddenly appears on Amazon uh, so there's no fanfare, <laughs> you know, no big announcement. It's just, oh, if you, yeah, by the way, <laughs> throwing this out there on, in a couple of weeks. So it appeared on Amazon and obviously someone's picked up on it and then it's suddenly all over Twitter. And as I said, the official Doctor Who online page um, have now put up the special features for it and stuff. And it amazingly, it had a, a cover already there because normally mm. they just have the, you know, artwork coming soon. Um, for me, mate, I, I, I have no problem with this. And the reason I was getting annoyed with, with with what I was reading on Twitter is because when Enemy of the World came out in 2013, yeah, you know, it, it had just been discovered. They remastered it. They put it straight out, mm-hmm. right? Now, 
obviously as soon as that happened people were like oh well you know I, I expect they'll do a special edition at some point i really hope they do and here we are <laughs> five years later so they've they've you know they've, it's been out for five years so if you wanted it as a vanilla release or you couldn't wait they've put it out now they've done a special edition with loads of extra nice features which we'll get onto in just a second everyone's moaning oh greedy old bbc oh i'm not buying it again oh no no yeah and i think well everybody wanted it with special edition now you're getting it you don't want it you're saying the bbc if the bbc hadn't have put it out when it got discovered you'd all be moaning that they were keeping it and oh when are you going to release it and exactly. you know i yep. just think god don't oh it just really annoys me how this this moaning fandom that we get nowadays and i know i'm now a part of it because i'm moaning but it really annoys me because it's been out for five years um i don't see anything wrong personally and by all means you know disagree with me mate if you do but i don't see anything wrong with the fact that they're putting out a special edition of something that originally had no special features and i love the cover i think it's really really nice by lean binding um the special features should we just rattle through them or what have we got on there yes so we've got the restoration team have said that since 2013 um they've sort of made advances in the tech for cleanup of of video stuff so they've gone through every every uh episode and every frame and they've used this sort of updated technology that they didn't have five years ago to make sure it looks you know even better than the first restoration which is good uh well they've got lost and found um so this is a toby haydoke uh, uh feature where he sort of goes on the um the, the treasure hunt it says here so we can find out everything about the production cool. so that includes um interviews with fraser hines and uh david troughton uh, and all that stuff uh, recovering the past the search for the enemy of the world so that's a new interview with your one of your favorite uh, people oh, phil the morris the person to block me on twitter yeah yeah phil morris about how he tracked down the last copy from africa and so on mm. uh, our old mate camzy uh oh, camzy oh camzy who used to run the blog to who uh doctor who blog he's doing a feature on remembering deborah watling very nice and then we got some audio commentaries so Fraser Hines, Mary Peach, Milton John, Sylvia James, those people. Um, yeah, and then we've got a bunch of um, production subtitles, photo galleries and scripts of all six episodes as PDFs, which is cool. Excellent. So not a bad bunch of features, really. Um, you know, not a bad like, bunch of features. Like you, I can't really see what the issue is. I mean, we, we have this a lot nowadays where um, it's labelled as like the double dip or in some cases the triple hmm. dip where... It normally, it, I think it started off with movies more than TV stuff because TV stuff rarely gets, you know, a, a, a re-re-release, if you like. So it started out with things like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and those big franchises, Terminator, where they, you know, you buy the movie when it comes out and you think, yes, I've got it. And then mm. years down the line, it's like, here's the special edition. And you're like, well, mm. I feel like I need that one now because there's extra stuff and they've cleaned it up and it's a restoration and stuff. And then a few years down the line, a box set comes out and it includes it again and there's more stuff. So, you know, you can understand, you know, people's train of thought. Yeah. However, to me, it's just buy it or shut up. Yes. And also it's <laughs> going to be what? A couple, 13, 14 pounds. It's not exactly like, 
you know, it's not you've got five years worth of of nothing. So is is ten to fifteen pounds really, yeah, you know, yeah. worth all this screaming and shouting on Twitter about? No, it isn't. You'd probably pay that for a Funko Pop that you throw in your wardrobe after opening it. Yeah, here's, you know the, I mean? here's the thing for me. The, the two things, right? Like I said, you either just, you know, if you if you bought the Enemy of the World when it first came out in 2013, and this has now been announced, you know, if you're happy with your copy that you've got and these special editions and, the, you know, the slightly improved picture, if you feel like that's not enough for you to double dip, then don't. Yeah. But, you know, if you're happy with what you've got, then fine. Just don't moan and whinge about it for hours on end on Twitter about how the BBC have robbed, you know, going to rob everybody and they just want more money or the rest of it. Mm. Where it concerns classic Doctor Who, I think this is more driven by the restoration team and and mm. getting as much content out to people as possible. Because if they didn't have this stuff available, you know, and they've, they've also produced new stuff to go mm. on it. So um, the, the Cameron stuff, uh, the Deborah Watling feature, uh, the new feature with Toby Haydock and stuff, the BBC are actually putting, you know, more into new stuff for people. It's not like they've just put a new cover on the front and slapped a special edition and there you go. So there's that. You know, you either buy it and you're happy with it or you don't and you shut up about it. Hmm. The second thing is you have to pick your battles with the BBC. I would say that this is very minor in relation or in comparison sorry to something like not including the christmas special on the recent series box set yep absolutely yeah, yeah. so yeah. to me that is more of a a cash cow from the bbc just sort of rubbing their hands together because they know that hardcore fans or or the majority of fans will buy the box set wait a month or so and then they'll buy the christmas special standalone as well and they really should have been in the same box set yeah, there's something to moan about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm with you on this one. I, mm. I cannot see why so many people are up in arms about it. You either, I'm not going to go on. Yeah, you either ha- you're happy with it like we are. I've pre-ordered it already. Mm. I, owned, I owned the normal one and I've pre-ordered this one because I, you know, I feel like the, the, the extra stuff and, and the work that's been put into it by the restoration team is worth my money for, and enjoyment for that. Yeah, you know anyone else that's got a, you know a moan about it, just don't buy it. Simple as that. If you if you don't want to buy it, then then don't buy it. And it's a lovely <laughs> cover. I can see this making a really nice steelbook as well. Hint, hint. And yes, I don't care if they release three versions of it. I want the steelbook. <laughs> um, I tell you what, I really like as well is that uh, lean binding is because um, the the cover that was on Twitter um, as has become quite. Uh, happens quite often now um anything to do with the tardis that's wrong people immediately tweet clayton hickman which i love <laughs> and um there were a couple of little inaccuracies on the on the tardis uh, on this cover and clayton was like you know oh dear oh dear you know this isn't good enough because obviously he's done covers in the past so he's very you know he's a stickler for these things but what i love is um today when we're recording that lee binding has released on his twitter feed the actual finish cover which has actually got all the little things that people spotted totally amended. So it's now got the right TARDIS sign. It's got the, you know, pull to open sign is on the, well, it's on the wrong side of the door, which is the right side of the door for the episode, if you know what I mean. So all the little things that people were criticizing it, you know, for, have, have actually all been amended because it was just uh, his sort of first draft of the cover. And I, I absolutely love it. It would make a great steelbook, wouldn't it? It would be awesome. 
Uh, it would. Steelbook. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, we're, you know, if they do that, everyone's going to kick off. That, kick off again. I'm just like, yeah. oh, I don't know. I'm sorry to go on a rant. It's just that, that sometimes fandom, it just oh, it annoys me how we just can't be happy for something. Look, you're getting something new. Like you say, if you don't want it, don't buy it. Um, I'll be buying it immediately, every version they release. Right, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> Talking about uh, Funko Pops, actually, there is a new one out, uh, on its way, although it's, uh, it's one of these um, Comic-Con exclusives ones. So Emerald City Comic-Con are getting the um, Amy Pond police uniform Funko Pop figure, which appeared on the back of, it was the first Doctor Pop that came out last year, wasn't it? She was on the back of it. That's um, right. Yeah. Much to the surprise of many people. So yeah, this is coming out. Um, obviously, it'll be a, an exclusive to begin with, and then whatever stock they've got left or whatever um, then gets distributed. Uh, so it'll probably end up um, being available to get in the UK at some point, normally from uh, our very good friends at Forbidden Planet. Um, but yeah, at the minute, it's just um, just just the Emerald City uh, exclusive. Mm. Um, so I, these normally go out for about fourteen ninety nine, don't they? When they finally make their way over over this side of the pond. Yeah, something like <laughs> no, that. Yeah. No, <laughs> no uh, intended. But um, yeah, I, what do you think of this, mate? I, can I be honest with you? Yeah, of I have course. absolutely no interest in this figure <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe four or five years ago, I might have, um, but this does nothing for me. It's yeah, so it's Amy Pond in a police uniform from the eleventh hour, isn't it? It's only that's only that episode she wore it, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. What about you, mate? Is this is this going to end up on your shelf? No, 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 no. No, not no. even as a sort of rare exclusive. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of, I, I shouldn't, sorry, I'm probably being very negative. I know a lot of people will like this. I, I remember when it popped up on the back of the box, um, there was a bit of a buzz about it. So fair play. Yeah. I mean, if Amy Pond fans out there will probably love yeah. this and, you know, fair play, go and go and pick it up. I imagine it will go on pre-order for forbiddenplanet.co.uk and .com around the same yeah. time. So uh, just keep your ear to the ground and it will be up there probably at some point when's this so this is uh very soon i suppose over in the u.s i don't know when eccc is no i've never heard of it till now actually um, emerald city whatever it is yeah uh, so yeah imagine probably two or three months after that it'll be over here so we'll let you we'll let you know when it's up but no it's a cool little funko just not something that we particularly are after mm. uh moving on Last bit of merch. Actually, no, second to last bit of merch. Uh, this is one that will be great for Doctor Who fans with children. Um, and it's one of those very cool little children's books. And it, I, when I say children, it's like aimed at very, very young children. So, you know those books that you see in Waterstones or whatever? There, You go over to the kids section and it's for like really small preschool um, little kids. And this is like a learning to count kind of book um but it's learning to count um in sort of doctor who style mm. um so the, the kind of synopsis around this is um uh, it's learn your one two three is across the stars with the help of the doctor and his friends and uh it goes on one doctor two hearts three knocks four daleks etc uh, it's a doctor who counting book with a timey-wimey twist on every page featuring doctors companions and monsters both past and present Kids of all ages will love this Doctor Who numbers book. Uh, in the wonderful style of Tea is for TARDIS, uh, this includes stunning original illustrations in a retro style on every page. So what do you reckon, mate? For I, I, <laughs> if I had very young kids, 
I'd be all over it. I think it's lovely. Great, I, really do. I mean, I haven't yeah. got kids, but uh, no, I just, I can imagine, my mum's a school teacher, so yeah, I can, would just love the thought of having, you know, having this in a school, if you know what I mean, something Doctor Who related to, to this sort of age group. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's a really nice idea, actually. Um, and although this is not the finished cover that we're looking at, I can get the sort of style of the book. So uh, I think it looks very nice. Yeah. It looks really good. And it's not out yeah. until, when is it? Uh, August. Uh, but you can pre-order it. It's, at the moment, it's up for seven ninety nine, but it will probably be a fiver when it comes out. More than likely. Yes. And uh, finally, in the merch news, um, what's better than something free? We like free things, and these are quite <laughs> nice, actually. So the Doctor Appreciation Society um, have got two new uh, e-magazines available, so basically like PDFs. Um, the first one is uh, a 2018 Celestial Toy Room Annual. Um mm love the artwork on this actually it's really i don't know who's done it um but it's really really nice um obviously it centers around the 12th doctor his era gives articles on every 12th doctor story uh, as well as torchwood and the father pompey so that's quite good sounds like they've sort of rounded up all the bits that capaldi was in and as i said it's available as a free download um Hmm. from the Doctor Appreciation Society webpage. And also, they've put available the 2017 annual, which is all about the seventh Doctor era, which we love. Yes. So that's good as well. Uh, I'm just clicking on the link, actually, to have a look at it. Very different style of cover on that one. More <laughs> yeah. of a sort of comic book style. But yeah. yeah, that looks nice as well. So if you want to download those for free, just head over to uh, Dwas, W-A-S, dwasonline.co.uk. And you can get those for free. And they look really nice. They look really good. And they've got two yeah. versions of the PDF as well, which is very nice of them. So you've got the single page if you want to look at it on your tablet or your phone. Or they've got the double page spread. So for widescreens or computer monitors, whatever. So mm. very, very good. It looks awesome. Yeah, nice. I'll be picking those up for sure. I think that's going to do for Yeah, we are. We're done for much. That's it. We're done. Right. That's a lot. Review time. Adam, Adam, Jamie, Jamie. <laughs> We've got Jamie, Jamie. Sorry, yes. Jamie. Yes, Gary. Oh, God, that's hurt my throat. You're too good at that. Yeah, but is it a, is it an ice warrior or is it a sea devil? Because I seem to I don't seem to distinguish the two. Now you've got the sea devils that down sea as well. Devil is <laughs> that, yeah, oh that that hurts. <laughs> this one's just a whisper. Yeah, I think we need to do a bit more of the Your cat didn't like it, it's just gone mad behind your head. It just, <laughs> did not like that at all. Yes. Anyways. <laughs> no, she didn't like that at all. No. <laughs> right. What are we gonna review this week? So actually it's a good one to do in the Ice Warrior voice, isn't it? Because it's got an S, so it's the Seeds of Death. Hello, Earth Control. This is Moonbase. Emergency, can you hear me? Why do you want control of TMAT? If you're going to invade the Earth, you'll be fighting the armed forces of the entire world. You'll never succeed there with too much resistance. There will be no resistance. You must be destroyed. Ice Genius. Kill him. Do you realize what you're doing? I'm trying to save our lives. And what about the people on Earth? We're in no position to argue. But there is no defense against our plans. There are too few of you to conquer all the peoples of the Earth. I do not need an army. We've got sea pods. This time, there will be no escape. 
Good trailer there. I'm going to have to link off to, in our show notes, I'm going to have to link off to this YouTube channel. Because with the uh, classic Who stories, sometimes it's not always easy to find a trailer that the BBC have done. Because, you know, on some of the classic DVDs, you have the next time or coming soon trailers. Mm, Sometimes yeah. it's difficult. But there is a YouTube channel and he's, they've done loads and loads of really cool classic Who. And I'll have to remember which one it is and link to it in the show notes because they've got so many great, Classic I was Doctor about Who. to ask you. Yeah. You can't remember who it is. it's not Gallifrey ninety seven, is it? it? It is no, it's not that one. Oh, because um, he's good. Yeah. It begins with a V. I know that much. <laughs> uh, right. um, but yeah, I will. Uh, I will dig it out and and send. I put a link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, so the seeds. Oh, it's called Very Tassa, Very Very UK. That oh. might ring a bell with some of our listeners, but I'll, I'll put a link to it anyways. Yours. Cool. Um, right, The Seas of Death uh, first came to our screens in 1969, 1st of March. It's a six-parter. It's uh, written by, uh, which was overtaken by Terence Dix <laughs> halfway through. And it's directed by Michael Ferguson, and it stars Mr. Troughton as the second Doctor with um, Fraser Hines and Wendy Padbury as Jamie and Zoe. And uh, story is thus: um, the um, the the human race has done away with things like planes and rockets and trains and stuff like that, and now they all get around by something called a travel mat, or a teleportation mat, or for short, a T mat, mm. which kind of dematerializes you, goes through whatever, and then you rematerialize at the other end. It takes about a second, apparently. Hmm. Uh, but what's happened is um, the and they, they also use this to travel to and from the moon, which is handy. So there's a moon base, um, and the ice warriors have somehow got to the moon, and they overtake, they overrun the moon base, um, and their plan is to send these uh, seeds, as per the title, down to the planet. Uh, they release these spores out into the atmosphere that sort of you know does away with all the oxygen. Um, and makes it more habitable for them, uh, at the same time wiping out the human race. Um, they've disabled the T-Mat up on the moon base, so as the Doctor and Jamie and Zoe get involved, they have to um, rope in the skills of this old scientist dude and build an old-fashioned rocket, go to the moon, do away with the Ice Warriors, which they don't find out are Ice Warriors until they're sort of halfway there. Uh, and it's kind of about like, it's it's kind of an espionage esque kind of thing where the humans or the human that's on the, uh, moon base is kind of doing what he's told by the ice warriors, but he's kind of sabotaging as well. Um, and so it's all about this, you know, sort of race against time to, you know, do away with the ice warriors before the fleet turns up and conquers earth and so on. That's kind of the story overall. Mm-hmm. That's it. And uh, yeah. How did you do this one? I think you did tell me earlier before we started recording. You did this as like two, one, one, two or something. Yeah, I, I spread it out a bit because it's a six parter. Um, and I thought it might be good. I thought I'll just stick a couple on and see how I go. Uh, yeah, I think I did it in blocks of two. So two, two, two. Um, or I might have done a three or two or two. But yeah, I, I basically I, I split it up. I didn't didn't watch it all as one 
uh, long story, if mm-hmm. you like. Um, but it works quite quite well, I thought, actually, like that. Because uh, I was sort of looking forward to watching the next one, you know, by breaking it up like that. Sometimes uh, when we do a four-parter, I, I do sort of find myself watching the whole lot in one go. Um, but yeah, six parts, I don't know, just felt a bit too long to watch in one go so i split it up is that what you did or did you watch it all in one go uh no i did split it up i watched you did i watched the first four together Mm. yesterday or last night and then i watched the final two this morning yeah okay yeah yeah so that wasn't too bad wasn't too bad so what's your opinion on this one overall buddy um overall i thought it was uh very good actually um it's bizarre because Obviously, I've watched this before because I bought it when it came out. But um, mm. it almost felt like I was watching a new, a new, <laughs> d- newly discovered classic. I don't know. I didn't re- remember any of it. You know, s- normally if I put on a Doctor Who DVD, I'm sat there and I could probably, you know, um, read along with it word for word. Whereas this one, I found myself thinking, I don't remember this at all. Right. So it's obviously been a very long time since I last watched it. Um, which sort of led me to think before I put it on that maybe it wasn't that good. I was thinking, you know, <laughs> this one doesn't get mentioned a lot. You know, it's not like the mind robber where people are, oh, you, if you watch them, you know, it's not one that I see that gets talked about a lot, uh, particularly considering it's got, you know, the great ice warriors in it who are, I absolutely love the ice warriors. I think one of my favorite doctor who mm-hmm. monsters. Um, and I think they're particularly good in this, actually. So, yeah, so I was thinking, you know, why why is this a story that doesn't get shoved up there or mentioned as a, an all-time classic? You know, is it, it, is it is it not that good? And why haven't I watched it for a while? And as I said, watching it through, it felt kind of fresh. I thought I just didn't remember it at all. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I think watching it, breaking it up definitely helped. I think I might have struggled if I'd watched all the way through all six episodes because it does take a bit of a dip slightly in the middle i mean the doctor's not in episode four at all Um, and i did find myself missing him because i just love pat trout on screen i think you know any scene that he's in you just you're fixated on the screen i I think he's you know just so watchable as the doctor Mm -hmm. so it does take a little dip in the middle so i think it's good to break it up but yeah overall mate i i thought this was a a good story I, i really enjoyed it cool what about you yeah i think this is a, a good one hmm. i think it's a really good one uh it's really funny when we when we mentioned that that a particular doctor just wasn't in it for an episode because yeah i know it's weird isn't it he yeah. had booked his holidays yeah pat Which, Trout was on holiday yeah. yeah it's just so bizarre you know that they would still go ahead and you know, i just can't get my head around that it's just so funny um you know, like you, wait, you wait till we get to the um, some of the Hartnell ones where don't they they have like his double, they have a double for him as well. So they just film him in long shot, and it's so clearly not him. Yeah, well, they did that a couple of times with Trout, and in this one, like when he's supposedly knocked out and he's unconscious on the floor, that's not really him. No, it's a double. But you know, you can just imagine sort of, you know, Jodie Whittaker's not in the the second part of a two parter because she's in Marbella. Yeah. <laughs> Sipping a few cocktails. You know, it's just very weird. You'd never have that today, this Different day and age. Times. No. Mm-hmm. Although I suppose we get Dr. Light stories, like, you know, like um, Love and Monsters, like tenants only in the, you know, bits of it. So, so they sort of get around it better these days. Yeah. But but yeah, it's, it's odd to think of having an episode of Doctor Who where he's not in it at all. Yeah. And I, yeah. I don't think that's because Tennant was going on holiday. I think that has more to do with the production blocks. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah, the stuff, schedule. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a very good um it's a very good sort of uh, suspenseful story. 
Yeah. Because there is a lot of uh, sort of creeping around <clears throat> and trying to evade capture and there's, you know, will things work and will they won't? There's no, the thing I liked about it was there, there's no sort of guarantee on anything. Mm. And it all sort of starts with when they land in what they think is this old museum, but it turns out to be this guy's sort of own personal collection of stuff. I guess a museum, I suppose. And, you know, he's he's very much sort of pro old school rockets. And, yeah, you know, he, he doesn't like that the world relies on the T-Map because the world's sort of a slave to this new transportation system because, mm-hmm. you know, via that, that's how they get sort of food supplies around the world. And, you know, so when it breaks down, sort of society starts to break down as well because these countries that need all the supplies are not getting it. And so he's very much like, you know, we can't rely on this. And so, but even so, when they go ahead with his plan and very reluctantly with his plan, he's like, it's not going to work. You know, there's too many problems and stuff. And then the sort of little contraptions that they build on the moon base, you know, like when the, one of the uh, technicians is sort of hides out in a room for a little while. And he builds this contraption that sort of blasts the ice warrior with heat and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's just all cobbled together with stuff mm. that's in the mm-hmm. storeroom, you know. And then the doctor builds his own version with the two big light bulb things. And I love that, yeah. Yeah, so it. I, I like the fact that they're, you know, they're sort of relying on their sort of intellect and sort of old school, mm. um, you know, tinkering with things. You know, it's, 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 you know, Pertwee did a lot of that in his era, you know, where he's like, building and tinkering with things and yeah polarity reverse you know all that stuff so it's mm-hmm. it's very cool when doctor who does that i i love that part of the story as well the fact that um because it's something i can imagine it's something we do all the time isn't it as human mm-hmm. beings we leave oh that's old hat you know we don't yes. need that anymore yeah. and and, and you, but you've always got somebody who still likes it you know like the um professor what's his name Eldred, Eldred, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Eldred. I kept thinking of Eldred's hand. Eldred. Yeah, Professor Eldred. But I like that because he's like, he's never let go of, he loves rockets. He Mm -hmm. likes the old style of doing things. And he's sort of up until this point been, you know, oh, that's yesterday's news. But they have to go back and say to him, um, Professor, can we borrow your (laughs) rocket? And I thought, I love that because, you know, that's me. That is that person. That's, that's somebody telling me that DVDs are outdated and like, Oh, what you're buying enemy of the world on DVD. Well, I'm, I'm getting it on digital download. Oh, are you? Well, what happens when all the digital downloads get wiped? What are you going to do then? You know, that's so I like that part of the story that, you know, that professor was, they had to go back to and Mm -hmm. sort of eat their words a little bit because that's the sort of thing I can imagine happening in real life. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's cool that the doctor's very interested in him. And, yes, you know, love that bit. Yeah, yeah. So the doctor's not fussed either way. He's like, yeah, team at whatever. You can tell that, like, you know, he's seen it or he's seen, you know, far more advanced stuff than that. So he's just like, oh yeah. But he's more interested in, the in rocket. the rocket, you know, yeah. contraption and, and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I really like the story. It builds up nice. It does take a dip, I must admit. Around episodes four and five, they do sort of dip down a little bit, as you say. But overall, it's a great watch and. um yeah, it, it, it. I like the fact that it's not, like I said, it, there's no guarantees. I think it's clear cut because the Ice Warriors are quite threatening in this, you know. They are, yeah. You know, they, they mean business. You know, they're killing people right from the off. Mm. So they mean business. And uh, and even when the, the humans, they, they send in like the guards and security forces and stuff, you know, they've got no, nothing on the Ice Warriors. They just get wiped out as well. So, you know, it's good that they have to rely on 
other stuff to get the job done. Mm. Um, yeah, it's good. That that sound the ice warrior gun makes when it shoots me as well. I love it. It goes right through me. Did it you? Yes. That, blah, 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 that sound effect, brilliant. Because they sort of do this very simple effect with, I assume, a mirror or something. Everyone every time someone gets shot, but with the sound effect, it's, it's brilliant. Mm. It's so simple, but really sort of works. You're like, uh oh, he's got it. <laughs> you know. Although I was a little bit confused. Is it the cliffhanger when it looks like the ice warrior shoots Zoe? But then the sort of cliffhanger, because I thought that's where it ended, but then it sort of carries on. And I, I assume that he sort of shot at her and missed or something, because it, it sort of didn't end where it naturally felt like it should. She, ah, okay. she then carries on and he just keeps walking towards her, I think, or something. But yeah, but, but yeah, they are menacing, I think, in this. They, they I do love the Ice Warriors. I think they're, you know, they do, they are creepy in this, although they're mm. very easy to hide from. I notice <laughs> there's a couple of scenes, isn't there, where they're like running away from it and they literally hide behind the wall. And poor old Ice Warrior just sort of walks in, looks around, oh, nothing to see here, and then walks off. So, yeah, you know, yeah. probably a design set design more than anything, I should think. <laughs> yeah, I agree. There was a couple of times where it was quite convenient for the Ice Warriors <laughs> to find them versus other mm. times where there was one scene where. Um, Jamie and Zoe go into the weather station. Yes, I know, yeah. yeah. And, and they hide behind a glass wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the ice warrior's standing a few feet away. And mm. yeah, so yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where it's like, uh, it's not, you know, of course, you know, he can see them through the glass. But, you know, we just have to go with that bit. Yeah. You, d you do have to, because it's Doctor Who after all. You do have to, at times, just just go with that. I was going to say, there's. A, it feels to me as well, like, if, I was thinking about this towards the end more than anything, but it feels to me like there's quite a few Ice Warriors there, but in actual fact, there's only two and the main, so there's like two Ice Warriors in there, and then the main, um, what's the main Ice Warrior called? It's sort of got the different mask. Oh, that's Slar. Uh, Slar. Yeah, Slar. Slar, sorry. Yeah. yeah, Slar. So it's only really him and a few others, but to me, it doesn't feel like that. It feels almost like, you can imagine there's like an, an army on that base i think because when they start coming down there's like one roaming hampstead heath and stuff i don't know it feels <laughs> like there's more of them than there actually is yeah so there was three plus the um plus the the general person yeah and yeah it feels like there is more so it well, feels like a proper threat there doesn't yeah, it? yeah 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 and um that that's when you when you have a small amount of of monsters in doctor who and you make them, you know, a lot more, you know, more, more powerful, you know, than, than the humans. That's when Doctor Who can be quite sinister mm. and, and quite um, suspenseful. Uh, you know, when you have like a massive fleet of monsters, sometimes that can be a bit, uh, you know. A bit overkill. A bit, yeah. So, I mean, that's quite common with a lot of stories where if you have just one or a couple of them, that can be often as or even more, you know, even more scary or sinister than having lots and lots of enemies. And I think the, the voice as well really adds to it. This mm. whisper, I know I keep taking the mickey out of it, but it's because <laughs> I love doing it. But I was thinking uh, while watching it as well, like the, the three monsters that I absolutely adore in Doctor Who actually have very similar voices. So the sea devils, the ice warriors and the zygons all kind of whisper mm. and do that sort of very low key rather than, you know, like Omega who's just bellowing and ripping his throat <laughs> out, you know. So I was thinking that's quite interesting because it is very menacing when they're, yeah, talking yeah. in this it adds to a level of the 
you know, the sort of suspense, I think. So, yeah, something to be said for <laughs> Brian, Brian Blessed wouldn't agree, but something to be said for sort of <laughs> toning it down a bit. Yeah. yeah. And they are like that as well. They never, even, mm. even the scene towards the end where the doctor uh, tells Sla that, you know, they faked the homing signal with a satellite. So your fleet yeah. is now, you know, you know, see you later. <laughs> mm. um, even when he loses it, he's still, you know, he, he doesn't ever shout or, you know, he's still got that horrible whisper. That's yeah. really creepy. Yeah. Who's the glitter um, ice warrior there? Because that's the only one where I think the design didn't quite work. There's there's one that's got, he's been a bit glammed up, isn't there? Yeah. Um, ice warrior with some glitter on. Yeah, that's the Grand Marshal. <laughs> played by oh, Graham Lehman. Yeah, so I did laugh a little bit when he popped up. I did as well. Not be, not so much because of the um the sequins on on the oh, helmet. Sequins, but, yeah. Uh, more of just that they they sort of did away with the creepy voice with him. He had a typical British kind of. Oh yes, he did. Do you know that's really weird? I didn't think about that until yeah. just now. Yeah, that's true. I thought there was. I think I was too distracted by the sequins <laughs> to to notice, but I knew there was something about him that I was like, oh, he hasn't got the. He yeah. hasn't got the sort of um, the threat of the others. He, mm. He's a bit silly. Yeah. But yeah, his voice was different, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He looked fabulous. Just, <laughs> oh, he looked fabulous. But the, the voice was just not there, was it? So he just, <laughs> he looked more like the caretaker, <laughs> you know, they just sort of wandered out a bit drunk from the cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> and just sort of wonder what's going on <laughs> rather than, you know. The, so I think they could have done him uh, as the Grand Marshal a little bit more uh, sort of authoritative. Yeah, because Sla sounds a lot more, you know, in charge and a bit more scary. So, I, I wouldn't mess with Sla. I'll be honest with you, I would not mess with him. No. If, he, if I no. walked in the room and he's in there, I'd be like, "Ooh, this guy means business." I tell you what, the makeup was really good for him. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, for some the of the uh, yeah. the close ups of his face, um, all of the different lot, yeah. sort of reptilian, um, uh, sort of you know, like a crocodile skin kind of how it's made up mm. of like sort of jagged pieces yeah you know how they applied it around his mouth as well and the jagged teeth and stuff he looked really good for its time yeah i thought so i thought he looked really good yeah, yeah. The, the helmets and stuff you know like the vibe you know the eye the eye pieces and the, the helmets and stuff they obviously look a bit blue peterish but the, the makeup itself because there is a yeah. lot of close-ups, isn't there? Considering, mm. like you said, that at times perhaps a little bit blue peterish, but yeah, we do get to see very close up of those masks. I kept thinking of that one that they recently discovered. Do you remember we did a news article on it recently, and they, it, it kind of decayed because it had been kept, you know, in storage. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember who found it now, and they've like they did done their best to restore it. I don't think it was Sla, but it, you know, the eyes and everything, and just goes, you know, they weren't they were made obviously on a budget so it's amazing it survived but i kept thinking of that all the way through this oh yes because it, it's like a world's apart isn't it when mm. you go from looking at this where although you get to see lots of close-ups that because of that it highlights the the kind of roughness of the build mm. of the stuff but then when you saw the 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 when they found that original helmet and so on you do think to yourself, oh, you know, I love old Doctor Who in black and white, but yeah. this bright green with the orange eyepieces just makes them look, you know, really cool. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I love, I love the design. Yeah. So what did you think to the direction and pacing and editing and stuff? Because I, I actually quite liked the direction in this one. I thought it was really good. Really? Like right from the outset, you have these mm. really 
because although it's like a typical classic, classically directed style, where we see a lot of this, even right into, um, even some of Tom Baker's, right from the beginning, right through to maybe Tom Baker's era, where we have the usual sort of static camera on one set and then it sort of pans between and, you know, there's not much going. It, it did have an element of that. But what I really liked was that they they played with with camera angles and focus. So there mm. was like right from the very beginning, like where you the camera comes around the moon, the model of the moon. Oh, that's lovely, yeah. And it's in focus and then it sort of changes focus to that, you know, to the earth. And then mm. the, when it changed to the operation centre, it the 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 camera was, you know, focused on somebody through a sort of gap in the in the in control. The yeah. And yeah. then and then it focused on them and then there was somebody a bit further back. And it the camera was moving slightly as well as it did this. So I thought, yeah, this is great because I think the last few classic stories that we've reviewed, we've said that, you know, the direction was a bit meh. Mm. You know, it's just extremely static and it's just not you know, the, the scenes where it needed to be a bit more faster paced, especially with the editing, it just wasn't there. Yeah. But I quite liked it in these ones. So uh, with the exception of maybe episode four, because maybe we didn't have Troughton to sort of bring the energy a little bit. But overall, I, I thought the direction was really good for its time. Yeah. I must say it's one, one of the one of the major notes I, I put was about uh, Michael Ferguson's direction. Mm. Um, really took me by surprise, as I said earlier, because I don't remember much about this story is straight from the get-go like you said one of the things that struck me about it was that because i didn't know who directed it i was thinking who is directing this i thought maybe it was like early douglas camper fit camfield or something because it was like he was really trying to do something different like you said it wasn't just a case of right stand film what's being in front of me move on it felt like he was trying to shoot low angles um he really holds off on the reveal of the the ice warriors um yes in episode yeah. one as well and it works because that doesn't always work like sometimes you just like you know that that gets done quite a lot but, it, but i think maybe because the voices works really well in the first episode that you're getting all these point of view shots mm-hmm. of what the ice warriors seeing um and it's yeah i thought this is really well done like you said all the stuff being shot through the wall and um you know the stuff on Hampstead heath with the with him towering above the camera walking through the woods and stuff so this is really really good stuff because yeah you know yeah. it's 1969 they've still got these great big blimmin' heavy cameras and stuff and you know the equipment they would have been using to film it but at least he's trying to do something to exactly. make the the pictures interesting to watch so yeah i i made it yeah just like you i thought you know worthy of a, a special mention is the direction by michael ferguson yeah very, very good very, yeah very cool and i, mm. I forgot a to you just mentioned about the point of view camera mm. in episode one where you see where they hold off on the reveal like you say and you just that see ages. yeah really really good stuff and i like the model shots you mentioned as well like just that opening of the moon shot at the start of every episode i really liked all that in fact i liked all the model shots even the rocket ones which look a bit you know naff or a bit dated <laughs> but they, they still look good for because we you know sometimes you get a really bad model i'm thinking like you know revenge of the cybermen we get some dodgy mm. rocket model shots in that from what i remember and so but you know for the time i thought the model shots in this look really really good you know? well one thing i did notice though was the tardis prop <laughs> um first of all the, <laughs> oh, the no. concept the time rotor still <laughs> an inch thick in dust still yeah, yeah. um and there's one bit when um, professor eldred 
points at the TARDIS prop and we get a really lovely shot of it. It's just got a back, black um, background, doesn't it? And the roof is like, it hasn't even been put on properly. You must no. have noticed it. It's <laughs> oh, all yeah. wonky. Yeah. I was just like, oh, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's as if they, they put it up in... 20 seconds quick TARDIS prop needs to be up we got we got a shot of it and it's all yeah it just hasn't been put together properly but um but it still looks beautiful but <laughs> I just couldn't help but notice it's a bit wonky I actually said out loud at that point to myself as I was watching it so yeah that exact scene the roof where he points to it and we see it's only on screen for maybe three seconds isn't it yeah I paused it of course but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I actually said out loud I was like oh it doesn't look that great does it it looks like you can so you'll walk up to it and with your finger just topple it over with a little push. Yeah, yeah, I have this thing. I think this is why I love following Clayton on Twitter because I have this fascination with the TARDIS prop and how it changes. Because you know I was saying about the sign on the front of um, um, Enemy of the World is is on the other side of the door. And I was thinking, I always thought that was maybe the image was reversed or so. But apparently it was like that for like a few episodes. They just put the sign on the other side of the door, you know, the pull to open sign. Uh, I, I didn't realize. I mean, I must. Uh, maybe that's because some of the episodes are lost, but I didn't realize mm. that. Yeah. yeah so maybe. things like that fascinate me. I love looking out for them whenever the TARDIS is on screen or or the inside of the TARDIS. <laughs> I love looking for these little things. Yeah, that's mm. a good point. Actually, um, it's kind of a bit of a <clears throat> an advertisement for Clayton Hick- Hickman on this show. But mm-hmm. um, he did put this really cool tweet out the other day where he went through from Hartnell through to the Re- uh, 2005 series, where he showed the changes in how they show outside the TARDIS from inside. So on, Yeah, I always saw that. Did yeah. you see that? Yeah. So this yeah. is one of those kind of a in-betweeny where some of them it was just black. It was like a void when the doors mm. open. And, and other times you you should be able to see, you know, the whole of the outside of, you know, where they've landed. On this yeah. one, it was like a mirror effect, wasn't it? So as they went out the doors, all it did was mirror the round doors from right. from the other side. So Yeah. Uh, I, lo- I love I love little inconsistencies like that. You could read all sorts into it, couldn't you? Oh God, yeah, you could go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Theories, fan theories on on the what's between the interior and outer doors. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but very Tardis light. You know, we were talking about Doctor Light mm-hmm. stories, but this one we don't see it from. You don't see it in the entire story. So you see it when they land in the museum. Yeah, with the very very. Uh, wonky camera where they're trying oh, he's to... he's really struggling, isn't he, to get it to... <laughs> yeah, so the camera, or whatever it is, that they can see outside is not working very well at all. Maybe the wonky roof knocked it out, but... Oh, that'll be it. <laughs> yeah. And then we don't see it until right at the end, literally right at the very end. So it is one of those cool stories where they sort of land and then you forget about it. You know, yeah. you just, you're on with the story and the adventure. That's true. Actually, there is. You just reminded me of one other thing. Actually, that did sort of slightly. I was thinking. I'm not sure about that. It was when the because I kept thinking, why doesn't the Doctor just jump in the TARDIS and go to the moon? And they kind of throw this line in, don't they, to get round it? They, he says something like, um, "What does he say? TARDIS isn't suitable for short range travel." Short range, yeah. Now, yeah. since when? Because exactly. <laughs> I was thinking, okay, because yeah. I suppose that is the thing. That is the only thing with this story is the Doctor could have quite easily got in the TARDIS and gone to the moon, and then would have saved in that very uncomfortable rocket ship um, <laughs> experience, and you probably could have cut two episodes out of it. But you know, I guess that would have just been too easy, wouldn't it? You know, you, the story would have 
just been over too quickly if they'd done that. So they they throw that line in, I suppose, to get around the fact that, you know, but it doesn't hold much water, does it? I mean, is the TARDIS? TARDIS is quite good at short range, especially later on in the series. You know, I mean, the Doctor can land it around people to save them. And, you know, it, it's these sort of things change over the years. Whereas yes. in early yeah. Doctor Who, it's this thing of the Doctor can't really control it properly. And, you know, he gets better at it over the years, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit but, of a um, a tidy up line, isn't it? It's, a uh, tidy up line, yeah. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> I think it's Jamie that says, why don't we just jump in the TARDIS, doesn't he? Yeah, it would be Jamie, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what was it the doctor says? Yeah, he's, it's not suitable for short range travel or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, but he says it quite, I wouldn't say he says it with a, a bunch of confidence, but he does say it in a way that sort of puts that issue to bed. You know, yeah. he, he sort of, he sort of says it in a way that's like, you know, viewers, <laughs> you know, ignore this bit, just go with it. We're going to move on quick. Carry on. Yeah. 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 So they do, like you say, get around it, I suppose, mm. with that. But um, yeah, it, it's obviously unrealistic in terms. Yeah, of, well, it's certainly yeah. It's it suits the story. It's one of those moments, isn't it? It suits, it just the, story. suits the story. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise we wouldn't have the really cool reconstruction of the rocket ship and you mm. know the the travel to the moon in a good old fashioned rocket and all. It would have taken away everything from that first half of the story, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, so what did what did you think to So Ice Warriors aside, what yeah. did you think to um how how the story progresses then? So we we first see the Doctor and the TARDIS team uh kind of volunteer themselves into it. So initially um uh who's who's the guy that that um who who's at the museum, the guy who builds the rockets? What's his character name? Uh, well, Eldred. Uh, Eldred, that's it, yeah. Yeah. So with, with that first part where he thinks that they're just trespassers and, you know, they're up to no good. Mm, oh, yeah. Um, sort of past that bit, you know, they're, they're sort of very, very trusting very quickly of the Doctor, aren't they? You know, they mm. allow him to uh, help Eldred get the rocket back up to speed, you know, without even a second question or anything they allow him to pilot the rocket yeah that's you know, true <laughs> up to the moon with the companions yeah. that even though they're very skeptical of jamie because they're like well this guy doesn't know anything mm. you know we're not gonna let him up there but they still do anyway um and then they allow him back and they allow him to the weather station so with you know the ice warriors aside it's quite a good a to b to c back to a again sort of story mm. um it, I was going to say, just as I was starting to think, oh, it's it's taking a dip in that episode four, because it does rely very much on those same sets of the first four episodes. So as I said, I was enjoying it. But just as it's starting to take a dip and I was thinking, oh, hopefully they can pick it up a bit in the next two episodes. They do because they bring in like the stuff on Hampstead Heath and the mm -hmm. Ice Warriors start dropping their seeds of death and then we get you know all the foam mm -hmm. and and that you know the, the stuff of the doctor going in and falling over through the door and all that so you know what i mean they they managed to pick it up very nicely i think in mm -hmm. the last two episodes but yeah i must admit episode four was starting to worry because we do like you said it's very much a to b to c back to b back to a back to you know starting to feel a little bit repetitive um by episode four but then it does take a nice change of direction 
in terms of the location. So that's, yeah, as I said, it does pick up again, which is nice, just when it needs it, I think. Yeah, and I think that's um, that, that's p- partially a, a trait of the the Troughton era, mm. where we there are a few stories, and unfortunately with the missing ones we can't comment, but there are a few stories where it's very much a uh, a capture and escape, capture and escape. Yeah. You know, that kind of to in and throw in. It does happen uh, quite a few times in the Troughton era. And uh, it, it this one doesn't really feel too much like that, but it does have that sort of repetition. I know what you mean. It does have mm. that, um, you know, the ice warriors have said, right, we're going to do this. So you need to repair this circuit board or whatever so we can accomplish this. And then there's like a little sabotage moment where – you know, they they either go off and construct something, or the person doing it. Um, so I think it was um, was it Fusion, the guy that was in it for the for like the four episodes. He was the one that was doing all the work for the Ice Warriors. Mm. Um, but then he was sort of slowly sabotaging and stuff. But the, but you, you had that, you know, happening quite a few times throughout the the bulk of the middle part. But I didn't really mind it too much. I don't know about you. It didn't really. Because there are some no. stories where I think, oh, Christ, you know, we've been here two times already where you've been captured yeah. and escaped. You know, you've been captured, you escaped again, and it's round and round and round. But this didn't really bother me too much because it was quite an interesting sort of suspenseful build-up for me. No, no, it didn't bother me too much. I've got to say, you're absolutely right. Just as I was starting to feel like that, as I said, it, it took a, another direction, mm. as I said, just really when it needed to. There, Yeah, there are some filler bits. I mean, there is a bit where the Doctor's being chased by an ice warrior, but actually, although it's filler... Um, it makes for a lovely scene because you get, do you, do you know about me where the doctor, I think he walks in front of a mirror or something and you get like 20 Patrick Troutons like oh, in one yeah. shot. And I thought, yeah. oh, what a lovely little shot. That's cool. And then yeah. of course it leads to the fantastic classic line of you can't kill me. I'm, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. And then <laughs> I just thought, oh, this is lovely. So there are little bits of filler, but, um, I wouldn't take them out uh, uh, for the, for, you know, for all the money in the world because they, they, still add something and they still got these magic moments even though like you said it's just a little three minute chase sequence that doesn't really need to happen but yeah no i didn't i didn't find myself getting too too bored at all actually by that no. not really i, I mean i love that line <laughs> he says it so innocently as well doesn't no it? it's just yeah. another example of how brilliant patrick troughton is yeah because yeah. if you if, if that line was delivered by say any of the the current doctors or somebody like Tom Baker or, you know, they would be very confident with it, you know, and very, you know, well, there's no question I'm a genius, you know, that would be very, you know, oozing confidence. Whereas Troughton's just very kind of, well, (laughs) do you know what I mean? He's, he's very sort of innocent with it. And very innocent with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost as if he built himself up to it and he's like, I'm a, I'm a genius. It's it's (laughs) wonderful, isn't he? Yeah. I noticed his sideburns grow a lot in this story. Did you notice that? Yes. um, (laughs) By the the end of episode six, he's got these, it's when he's on holiday, isn't it? I've just worked it out. That's correct. When he comes back from holiday in episode six, he's got really long sideburns, which uh, don't feel very second doctor, but yeah, yeah. he's got a proper set of grips when he comes back from, yeah, yeah. they're there at the start, but they just really long by the end of the story. Oh, and one of them's a lot longer than the other one, which annoyed me. Oh no. Cause that's like an OCD thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So his right side, it comes down almost to his sort of chin line, whereas the other one stops like just below his ear. So oh, every time he's, he's turned... got that floppy air, he's probably couldn't see what he's doing. <laughs> Tardis mirror was probably broken. <laughs> yeah. Along with the camera. 
yeah, along with the roof. Shot the bits, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every time he turned his head, I was like, oh, go and trim that up so it matches the other one. <laughs> See, yeah. as men with beards, we can appreciate stuff like that, can't we? Absolutely, yes. The difficulties, yeah. <laughs> uh, some more story stuff then before we just touch on some characters. Um, did you think that the... Um, you know when the seeds were sent down uh, within the when the team app was working, they sent the seeds down to these major cities in the northern hemisphere um, with the intention of um, sort of you know changing the atmosphere of the planet. Um, did you think that worked? Did you think that could have worked well enough on its own, or did we also need like the the big bubble bathy, foamy thing that was to, that was all over the place as well? Um, it, it probably could have worked on its own, but um, there is, of course, that scene where he, poor old Pat goes flying <laughs> over through the door and, and um, Wendy can't stop laughing, can she? It's so obvious. I love that bit, though. So, yeah, it, it didn't need it, but I'm, I, again, I'm glad it's there because yeah. um, I quite like it. And it's, it does add to the humour when um, poor old Pat comes around the corner absolutely covered in... Actually, they've they've obviously filmed some at Ealing because it's bubble bath isn't it yeah yeah and then when we cut to the studio presumably somewhere you know it's somewhere else um it's shaving foam (laughs) (laughs) they've obviously thought oh we need to match this up so cover him in some foam but yeah yeah, Yeah. um but um it does add to the humor i think seeing poor old pat and in all that gunk yeah no i'm glad you said that because it's um because initially when i when i first watched this one i thought why do we need both things going on then why do we need yeah. all the bubble bath and stuff? But we've also got the, you know, the seeds that, you know, you know, expel everything into the atmosphere. Why do we need sort of both? But I'm, I'm glad it's there because it, it does provide a sort of bit of whimsy, you know, it's just, a, you know, more of a visual thing to indicate that, you know, this stuff is sort of taking over and stuff. Um, but it does provide, I mean, it does provide a bit of a Benny Hill scene. And there's actually two yeah. in this story. So the first one is what we just said about, you know, when Pat's trying to get into the weather thing and, yeah, you know, he's he's being he's being chased by the foam that's after him and then he sort of dives underneath it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it's a bit Benny Hill. But then the other one is where the other scene is when I think it's Jamie and Zoe. A sort of, you know, you know you've got that corridor with like the wonky floor. Um. It, I don't know if that's in the in the moon relay station or if it's in the weather station, but there's a scene where the ice warrior follows him down and then Jamie jumps out and distracts him and he runs off and then Zoe oh, yeah. runs out. It's a bit of a Benny Hill moment where they're sort of, yeah. you know, running down the same corridor and then you see Jamie run out that way and the ice warrior follows him, but then he comes in closer and he goes around the other way. So we do have that kind of Scooby-Doo, you know, running between corridors. Yeah. Benny Hill moments. But I think this story needs, you know, scenes like that. Well, I love the cliffhanger. I was going to say, I love the, uh, is it episode five? It must be, where the doctor's got the foam coming towards him and he's just like, oh no, no, doing his, you know, typical <laughs> trout and stuff. And then just sort of the camera zooming in on his face because yeah. the balloon's yeah. about to pop and all this foam. Uh, I do <laughs> love that cliffhanger. So, yeah. I think that's five. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah, it must be because they're at the the pod. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So I like all that. It just reminds me a bit of the prisoner. They have all these balloons following them around and <laughs> blowing up and stuff. But yeah, but I think the foam's good because it adds a bit more claustrophobia to it, doesn't it? It does, rather than just being yeah. chased by a balloon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's talk about some cast members. Mm. 
Uh, so supporting cast, fairly reasonable in this one. They are, I think so, yeah. Uh, and they're in it for quite a bit as well. They're in it, mm. you know, pretty much the bulk of each episode, I'd say. And it mainly consists of um, the the guys that are on the moon base, which I think is, I know Fusham's the main guy up there. He's the one that's sort of, you know, terrified of the, the Ice Warriors and he's just doing what he's told because he doesn't want to be killed like the other people that were there. It's good because you're, you're not quite sure if he's a traitor at one point mm. as well. I liked that. About episode four, you're thinking, is he actually working for him? Because they wonder why he's doing all the stuff. Right. Actually, it's just because he's terrified and also he's trying to um, let the other guys hear exactly what he's doing, isn't he? Sort of recording it all or letting it, all the evil plan That's be right. overheard. So, yeah, I like that. But for a second, you're not sure if he's actually part of it, which is quite cool. That's true. Yeah, there was a, actually they actually say to him like the the um, uh, Slar actually says, "Why are you doing what you're told?" And, mm. and he's like, "Well, I don't want to be killed, do I?" Yeah, so that's a cool scene actually. So we have that guy, and then the other guy who's on the run in the moon base. He's the one that camps out in the storeroom. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have the other guys who. Well, we have the guy at the beginning, don't we? The um, uh, he's like in charge. He sort of turns up and then he goes up to the moon base. And Is that the um, – because uh, there's one guy in there that looks really familiar. I kept thinking I've seen him in other stuff. Um, Commander Radnor, played by Ronald Lee Hunt. Oh, yes. Are you talking yeah. about him? Commander Radnor. No, I don't think it's him. No? Okay, because uh, he's in it quite a bit. Um, yeah. He looks so familiar. It was really bugging me all the way through, like what, what else I'd seen him in. Um, I'm sure he's been in other Doctor Who's, that guy. Yeah, he does look kind of familiar. Yeah, he was in um, Revenge of the Cybermen. Oh, is he? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, but I I don't think that's where I know him from. But I thought he's quite good in it. He's got quite a good gravitas to his performance. I thought, you know, he he, he strikes me as somebody that probably always played those sort of in command roles because Mm. of his look. Um, I was just having a look to see what else he was in, actually. Um, Uh, Yeah, he was in um, like the usual stuff, like Minder and. Oh, well, that, I do love Minder, so it could well be that. It might be that, yeah. Yeah. Um, League of Gentlemen, he was in those sort of early, okay. you know, or late 60s, early 70s it could, stuff. It could, it could be Revenge, I'm thinking of, yeah. But anyway, I thought he was good as, as Commander um, Radnor. Yeah. Radnor. And I like I like the fact that him and um, Eldred have obviously known each other and fallen <laughs> out over the years because that initial scene between the two of them is quite funny in it where he's like can we use your um yeah. rockets and he's like no you can't <laughs> yeah he's really yeah. stubborn isn't he yeah stubborn he's like stubborn the, old mule. yeah he's like the, the planet's potentially in jeopardy unless we get to the moon and he's still like nope mm-hmm. you know he's really sticking to his guns isn't he eldred he's a, what, he's a cool old character though i was gonna say what did you think so he's played by philip ray what did you think of his performance because i he's one of those that that we often get in the classic era that just stands out as being quite fun and i quite like him yeah Yeah, you know what i mean one of those characters yeah i thought he was a a a cool kind of stubborn old old gentleman he just had that yeah yeah and i think that made his character that stubbornness yeah, yeah, I I liked him in this. I was gonna say there is one scene I forget which it is when he ri- he only just manages to get his words 
he like really struggles in one scene because most of it he's, he's pretty on point but there was one bit where oh, I thought, yeah. you know when you can feel that they've forgotten their lines but they're just about getting through the scene to remember it and then he sort of gets to the end you can always feel him, feel him like going oh God, yes. i did it i did yeah. it bit of a heart no you know just so close to messing yes. up but just yeah. managed to get the words out even though i didn't actually have any coherence yeah. <laughs> but no on the whole i think he's quite good in it. i think that's when he's trying to explain the, to the doctor something about the rocket ship there, yeah there was just one bit where i yeah. was always really struggling to remember his lines but he's just about done it yeah there's like a yeah. pause of a few seconds longer than in between than, each word yeah. yeah so you can see his brain working overtime yeah because it's a bit of a tech techie babble yes uh, sentence isn't it? it yeah yeah but yeah, no, I thought he was good. It. Yeah, He does it. He made it to the end, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think the guy who I'm thinking of, the guy at the beginning who turns up, I think his name's Osgood. Oh, it's probably, yeah, because I was like, Osgood? What? Yeah. Yeah, it's Osgood. He yeah. gets um, killed. Yeah, so he's in charge, isn't he? And then he goes up to the moon base and he gets dispatched mm. fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, he's quite shouty. So he was really shouting at Fuchsia up there, wasn't he? Really in his face mm. and... Does then, he get killed? Yeah. Or I yeah, I'm thinking the right guy, yeah. Yeah, and then Fusion's just like, oh, I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, all right then. Mm. <laughs> so he's all shouty. You can tell he's all hot. Though. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had, um, so along with Commander Radnor, we had um, uh, Kelly. I think they just referred to her as, or, or uh, Gia Kelly, Gia Kelly. Yeah. Um, what do you think to her? Because she's in it a lot. Well, I liked her because I thought that she's obviously written as as a very strong uh, female character. They seem to have, very you know, much. purposely made her to show that this is in the future. You know, things are going to going to change. Um, so I thought she did quite a good job, actually. Um, does she survive? Yeah, she does. Doesn't she, she does to the end. Yeah, because mm. you're right. She's in it a lot. I was, what I was trying to think of is actually what happens to her in the end because I can't remember. But yeah, no, I, I thought her performance was quite good. I thought she played the the, the sort of strong. Mm. lead if you like quite well um yeah. uh, louise not sure how you say her name pajo uh, yeah. louise pajo yeah yeah i, I liked her character actually mm. it was one of those early examples of who sort of pushing you know a strong female character to the front because she's she never lets up you know a, a bit no, like because like there's a thing where you might think that radnor might sort of overrule her but she's having none of it sort of thing that's which right i thought like you know it's quite good yeah because yeah, she said that she'll go over his head if she mm. doesn't allow him because i think she initially said i want to go up in the rocket and he's like nope nope never gonna happen yeah and then when the t-mac gets repaired she's like well i'm going and he's like nope you're still not going mm. and she's like well i'm going <laughs> i have to go over your head so she's very strong really strong yeah and um yeah, it was it was cool to see a character survive as well because the last thing you want is this very strong female character, you know, really doing the business throughout the whole story, and then the end, you know, they just get bumped off. So, mm. I think at the end she just says, you know, well now the team out's repaired, you know, it's oh, business yeah. as usual, but we're going to put some fail safes in, and and that's when Eldred's like, have you not learnt your lesson? We need rockets and all that. <laughs> and uh, she just, you know carries on as, as she does yeah that's right yeah. yeah no but she was good I, I liked her as i said she's quite prominent in the first episode as well particularly hmm. um which establishes you know who she is and stuff yeah no, she's good she was good um and then we just have a bunch of you know security guards and some people throwing in some lines and i think another person turns up who's even in in more you know he's a higher rank than, than oh than that Kamala guy Ragnar. he's yeah very unhappy 
Yeah, he's a, yeah, yeah. He comes in as a bit of a moan, and then I don't think we see much of him again. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But one of the most interesting pieces of of casting is the voice of the computer. Oh gosh, what do you reckon? I forgot about that. Yeah, what well, do you reckon? I had to laugh. I, I love a <laughs> I love a sixties slash seventies computer because he's actually really annoying, and they're like, "Yes, thank you, computer." They actually get really annoyed of him, like just like the viewer. Just saying, yeah, shut up. Because <laughs> he's got a really drony, yes, you are in command of this. Oh, God. Yeah, I'd, uh, thankfully, that part of the future hasn't come true yet. Because um, yes. it is quite a forward-thinking story, actually, the whole thing of the T-Mat and transportation. It's, it's, you know, that's one of the things I liked about it, is it is quite forward-thinking Yes. Uh, in yep. terms of what Earth might be like. You know, and we're heading that way. <laughs> we're not that far off. So, um, yeah. so this is set in the twenty foot late twenty first century, in it. So, uh, yeah, it was very bit dated, unfortunately. The computer, <laughs> uh, I would say, but I, I kind of loved it for being dated. <laughs> yes, it's um, it did get on your nerves. Oh, it does. After a few scenes, because I think they were trying to go with this very monotonous, yeah, un- unhuman like. Uh, voice but still personal enough that you could talk to a computer um and the way it came off as yeah it's it was all right to begin with but then afterwards you just want bloody hell yeah i was just seeing if it was i was seeing who'd done the voice but i don't know the name john witty yeah i don't uh, recognize the voice um yeah i don't know if he specialized in computer voices but yeah anyway yeah it it, it made me laugh uh, a little bit made me smile (laughs) Yes. But probably not for the right reasons. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think to Jamie and Zoe? Zoe gets a lot to do yeah. in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like I like the companion of Zoe. I always think mm. Wendy Pepper is really good. Um and yeah, no, she does get a lot to do to mm. do in this. So yeah. No, she's good. She's always on point, I think, Wendy Pepper. She is. And yes. I like that she's having to take charge mm. in in a few scenes because it's one of those stories where the doctor gets split up from the companion. So he's doing something and they have to go off and disable something or sort something out. And she's kind of had, she has to take the ropes a little bit because, you know, Jamie's got no technical mind on his, on his shoulders. So it's down to Zoe to, uh, to fix things. Cause she sort of pilots the rocket, doesn't she? She takes over most of the navigation stuff on the rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they get to the moon base, she's the one that, has to turn the heating up so she's round the air vents and she has to do that. And when they're at the weather station, she's... Yeah, so I really like that, again, a, a strong female um, presence throughout the story. It's yeah, not and just given all stuff about, to yeah. do. Yeah, rather than just, like I said, often when they're separated up, um, they just sort of get stuck in a room for an episode. Away. But she actually, yeah, she does get quite a lot to do. I mean, Jamie does as well, but it's quite nice because... Zoe as a character is is supposed to be very intelligent and she uses that a lot in the story, doesn't she? There's a bit mm-hmm. where she's going through the map of the, you know, the station in her head saying one, two, three, four. And you think, oh, this is good. You know, she's she knows what she's doing. Whereas Jamie, bless him, and I love the character Jamie, but that's not his character. His character is more of a grab a stick and have a fight um, sort of thing. So, yeah, <laughs> it's nice to see Zoe actually getting to sort of use her intelligence in a, in a good way in the story. Yes. Uh, with all the heat stuff. Oh, the the switch though. I did have a bit of a lot of the Fahrenheit. Oh yeah. So hard to turn that wheel. She really, yeah. She does a lot of good um, acting, <laughs> wheel yes. acting. Yeah. yeah. And there's a scene where Very Jamie, flimsy wheel. Yeah, where Jamie's trying to slide a big heavy metal door 
Um, (laughs) You know, and it's obviously an aluminium, just flimsy thing. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, gravity acting going on. Mm. I guess, I I mean, I love, uh, again, Jamie McCrimmon, great, great camp um, character really always, good. Sing, always yeah. sing phrases good uh in in a, you know in every story i just think he's charming um he doesn't get a lot to do with pat in this story which is um you know a lot of the time the things i love about jamie is the little moments we get yes. between the second doctor and jamie you know when they accidentally hold hands and or you know some silly little moment like that um we don't get much of that in this so he doesn't you know, but he's he's still good at it. But yeah, he d- doesn't get much to do with the doctrineness because they get split up, which uh, is a bit of a shame. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's very good though, Jamie. He's, he's oh, got he is. That, yeah, yeah, he's got that good mix of um, sort of no nonsense. Let's you know, I'm up for it. Let's just do what we've got to do and mm, let's get stuck in. Yeah, yeah. but he's also yeah. got a bit of empathy about him as well. He's mm. you know he he knows what's going on. He's not just a a mercenary. You know, he he knows exactly what's at stake and he knows know what's going on so they're they're a really good TARDIS team actually aren't they because they're three very very different characters yes um but the interaction between these three I always think is is you know gold dust on on camera yes and like you say he doesn't have too much of a uh, an interaction with with the doctor in this one but the the couple of scenes there is a bit of banter going on so you know he's like he says something like um you know when they're going to pilot the TARDIS back somewhere or whatever, he's like the only you know the only person who knows what's going on here is like the man in the moon or something like that. And mm. the Doctor hears him, he's like, "Oi!" You know they have that bit of banter going on. So there is a couple oh, yeah, of little bits, true. but yeah, yeah. But like you said, they're, they're they're at their best when they're sort of bouncing off of each other. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, a great TARDIS scene. Yeah, very very good. And then what about um, the Doctor himself then? Patrick. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's a shame he's he's not in that episode four because um, it has said that Pat Trout when he's on screen is just so, so watchable and so lovable and, mm. you know, um, but he's great in this, isn't he? I mean, the, the, the bit when he's like that cliffhanger I mentioned um, where he's like covering his face and <laughs> I'm kind of stealing something that's coming up in one of the listeners comments, actually, but I did write it as a note. So I'm going to agree with it a hundred percent is that he manages to make that cliffhanger funny and also dangerous. And that's not easy to do. So like he's pulling like this face with like just the one eye showing going, Oh no, oh no. But rather than being laughable and thinking, well, that's just silly. It's funny. And yet you're thinking, Oh no, how's he going to get out of it? And you know, Troughton was so good at that sort of thing. Um, but it, yeah, he's, he's just wonderful. Wonderful in it. He is a great doctor, isn't he? He he's, is. He's just so good. There's just something yeah. about... So when, when you're watching some of these um, stories and you're watching some of the scenes where uh, Pat Troughton's not on screen at that time, mm. it looks like, well, some of the time, it looks like just your you know run-of-the-mill sci-fi show from the 60s. But then when Pat's on screen, I don't know what it is, but there's just this magic that's going on. Mm. he just really captures the 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 scene you know he really just captures everything and he, he's not really doing anything most of the time it's just his mm. facial expression or the way he's standing it might be in like an awkward pose that he's yeah and he's just i don't know what it is you know with it's, just some actors you just you know the camera just they've got something everything yeah. they've got that thing haven't they mm. which i think they've done a lot with most of the casting for all of the doctors 
you know, the, the actors, mm. they're very good with casting. They just have that thing where you just gravitate towards them whenever they're on screen. They've just got this magic. And Pat's just got that in every scene. Yeah, I was going to say, he never, I never sort of think, I mean, we've said about Davison sometimes, as mm. much as we like his doctor, that it does sometimes feel like he's just reading the lines and can't wait to get through certain mm-hmm. stories. You can just tell he's not into it. Yeah. And he's admitting that himself. There are stories of his that he just doesn't, you know, didn't yeah, work yeah. for him. And you can sometimes see it on screen. I never feel that with Pat. He's always like, seems to be 100% on point. Um, just giving everything. I mean, little see, it's the little scenes I like with Pat. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff with him and the professor, you know, chatting about the rocket. And I think actually, I think Jamie gets a nice line in that scene. If I'm remembering right, doesn't he, doesn't he say, Oh, like a couple of schoolgirls or something. Like school like, kids, yeah. they're, they're, yeah. they're getting all geeky and, Oh, uh-huh. is that how it works? And all that, and, you know, Pat's just shines in little moments like that. Mm-hmm. You know, those little scenes. So yeah, yeah. there yeah. was a really cool scene towards the end as well. So when, when, uh, Salah realizes that the fleet, the ice warrior fleet has been destroyed because they're heading towards the sun. I think it, I think that's how it mm. happens. There's a scene where, because you know, just after he says, you know, you can't kill me, I'm a genius. And he, you know, he gets him to repair something on the computer console or something like that. And then when Slav finds out, you know, it's a big conspiracy and, you know, he's basically doomed all of his people. Um, there's, a, there's a scene where, where the doctor just sort of takes his hands out of his pockets and he just relaxes. And even though he knows that he could be killed at any second, Mm. He just relaxes and his face changes to this very comfortable little quiet triumph within him. Cause yeah, you know, and then he just spills the beans. He's just like, that was never your signal. It was a satellite, you know? And yeah. And I think he said like humans haven't used rockets. He's like, no, it was a satellite. And, mm. and he said, no matter, you know, the seeds are still taken over the planet. And he's like, oh, I'm afraid we've sorted that one as well. And yeah, it, you know, it's just brilliant to watch. I, I loved that brilliant. scene actually because I kept thinking like the because Pat is very good at the humour and then he's 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 a bit like Matt Smith as even and then can switch it very quickly very to being quite so. serious mm-hmm. and um, that scene because he looks almost a little bit this is before he like reveals that he's actually saved the day he's kind of like looks a bit down defeated doesn't he sort of leant against the control panel hands in pockets looking down and mm-hmm. playing it very quiet. And, uh, you know, again, it's just the, the way he does it is, is just so nice and, and so engaging to watch. Uh, but I did think if it had been written slightly differently, if you think about what the Doctor's doing, it's actually quite dark. I mean, you're comparing it to like the fifth Doctor who was trying to do everything to save the Sea Devils yes. and um, yep. Ice. And, what do I get mixed up? Sea Devils and Silurians in Warriors of the Deep, which mm-hmm. we reviewed. Uh, a couple of episodes back. So in that one, you know, the doctor's doing anything he could not to wipe out this race. Whereas in this one, the second doctor who we see is very lighthearted, jokey and fun, mm-hmm. um, has just sent all those ice warriors to their death. Now I know he didn't have a choice because he's got to save the world. And I think he makes some comment, doesn't he? That he does, yeah. you were going to kill Thou because Slar questions him, doesn't he? He says, you've just killed my yep. race of how many which is quite dark if you stop and think about it for a second for the second doctor. Uh-huh. He's just sent them all into the, you know, into the sun or whatever. Um, and Slav brings him up on that, doesn't he? But he says, well, you would have wiped out the whole civilization. So, you know, yeah. kind of put on yourself. But it is, you know, we think of the doctor as being quite light, but he does have these, you know, he has to make tough choices as well. Yeah, he does have these little moments, doesn't he? Where, moments, yeah. Where you Don't think, 
<laughs> don't be fooled. Don't That's be, exactly. what I love about Travis yeah. Dodge, actually. Don't be fooled. Yeah. Because, yeah, he, this cosmic hobo, but at the heart of it, he's still that doctor, isn't he? That he will do anything. Yes. To, yeah. to, to get the right answer. Yeah. 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 So I love that. Safe to say then that Troughton's, you know, just on form as always. Yeah, definitely. One. I mean, yeah. we it's such a shame so much of us is missing because I think every Troughton story we've reviewed or or I've seen, I, I'm struggling to think of anyone where I think, oh, do you know, Troughton's really not very good in that one. Or, you know, I, I mean, yeah. it yeah. might it might come, as I said, with this story, I, you know, don't remember it at all. So it could happen. But uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. Every story we've reviewed, he's just a joy to watch. It's been brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Rightio, then. Anything you want to mention before? We we throw our scores up there. Uh, no, not really. But I d- did wonder what you thought of the music because it was quite loud. Uh, it it kind of worked pretty well in it, but there were some scenes where it was I couldn't hear the dialogue. The opening scene. It's really loud in some parts. Oh, yeah. But it was quite good in most of it. Yeah. I did find it's a bit loud. Yeah. There's one bit where they, I think it's the last episode where it's as if they've turned the volume up to 11. Oh, I read you. Yeah. In, in the climax of the story. But no, I thought it was quite good. But yeah. Did you think it was a bit loud in places? Uh, slightly, yeah. But that's a common thing. With... It's stock music, isn't it? It's yeah. clearly not written for the. I assume it is anyway, is it? Um, or was it? It's not Dudley. Is it? It's Dudley. It's Dudley. It's Dudley yeah. Simpson. Okay. I'll say, I mean, I, I do like it. But yeah, I did notice it was. It did drown out a bit of dialogue in a couple of places. <laughs> yeah, that was um, the the opening scene with the with the model of the moon and so on, mm. and that first build up into the first episode. I love that music. It's yeah, like really piano-y. Rec- yeah, yeah, recognizable. It's it's a great piece of music, and for the most part, it's really good. Mm. Um, but there are a few scenes where I don't think it's Dudley Simpson's fault, but I think the sound mix, which seems to happen on quite a few classic Who stories mm. where they really pump the music up especially when there's a lot going on and it might have been yeah. mixed in live i don't know at the time but anyway yeah, but yeah I just, I just thought the music was good but yeah sometimes a bit loud yes <laughs> snap says a granddad here in the corner <laughs> anyway yeah no overall yeah it was pretty decent overall then mm-hmm. who turns it to go first i can't remember i think it's me this week cool Shoot. um so, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with an 8 out of 10 for this one. An 8 out of 10? An 8 out of 10, yeah. Ah, that's interesting. Have you gone for an 8 as well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Another snap. Yeah, snap! snap. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> We're almost like Colin Baker and Completely Pat. Completely out of time, yeah. 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 Pat, yeah. So, 8 out of 10 for me is because it's just a solid classic story with lots to enjoy um a little bit slow in places um a little bit repetitive in other places um but overall yeah just a solid sort of solid watch and initially i gave it a seven but then i thought no pat's just brilliant in this one mm. so it goes up to an eight for me yeah did you think am i am i right in saying that it doesn't always get mentioned in the same breath of like um i don't know think it's in classic it it is one that seems to have passed me by a little bit in terms of if i was chatting to you about you know recommend a good second doctor story i've never heard anyone say oh see you must watch seeds of death like people say oh you gotta watch the war games or mine robbers really good fun you know um yeah i think the team with the cybermen Tomb of the Simon. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem to get mentioned in the same breath of that. And yet, actually, having watched it again, I think it's up there. Maybe not quite, 
maybe not quite classic because it's not a nine or a ten out of ten, but no, it's no. up there, isn't it? It's definitely up there. I would say that it's not. It's kind of halfway between a hidden gem because it's not really that hidden, obviously. But it's sort of like mm. a, a series gem and a classic. It's in sort of you know in between. You know those sort of when when we think about stories like Tomb and I don't know Web of Fear and you know the Mind Robber, those sort of you know it's not quite up there with like you not know quite, no. the, the nines and tens, but it's definitely you know not far behind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what did our listeners think? Let's go over to Twitter. So Morgan, the Gallifrey Hoovian, says, uh, so glad you've picked Seeds, an absolute underrated gem. Oh, there we go. An underrated go. <laughs> gem of the classic era and a perfect demonstration of how to do base under siege uh, with a really claustrophobic feel to it. The Ice Warriors are excellent, uh, excellent villains. And two, Jamie and Zoe, are the dream team. They are good. And his usual very specific score of 8.4. <laughs> okay. Out of 10. Awesome. Um, Mike Friendly says, I absolutely love this story. One of my fave Trouton stories for sure. I adore it in part one when you can't see the Ice Warrior while it's talking. Uh, just a brilliant mm. story. Nine giddy ants out of ten for me. <laughs> love it. <laughs> um, let's have a look. Anything else on Twitter? There was one more, I believe. Uh, yeah, Sarah Louise Baggett, the running Hoovian, says, uh, I haven't watched this one before. Um, uh, wasn't able to see all six part, but from the four parts parts I did see, it was classic Who at its best. Uh, Troughton played the Doctor brilliantly, and I enjoyed Zoe um, and uh, and Jamie, the companion team. Uh, we'll definitely finish watching it, and we'll definitely go on to buy the DVD. Yes, you'll you'll really enjoy the last two eps actually they're yes. really good <laughs> yeah for sure uh michael donahue says uh have fond memories of the fuzzy vhs from the 80s uh, <laughs> it seemed like the story was so old even back then uh second doctor felt familiar thanks to um five and the two doctor story but loved seeing him properly in this one uh yes. over on facebook russ hilton says i agree with um kevin i'll come on to sec- uh, comment in a second uh, a brilliant story with a great tardis team uh, good adventure with the Ice Warriors at their very best. Would love to see, uh, would love to see it colourised. Mm. Mm. Uh, he gives it a nine out of ten. Uh, and then Kevin's uh, comment, which he mentioned there, it just says utterly brilliant. I'm, okay, I'm going to do this in the voice then. Uh, this on. was only the second absolute favourite black and white story. Uh, he does it with all these. Anyway, he says a brilliant TARDIS team and perhaps the Ice Warriors' best outing. Uh, it mm. could be argued that it's, the ep- that it's an episode too long, but that doesn't ruin the adventure at all. Love it so much and give it a well-deserved 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Cool. Yes. Uh, Martin Arnold says, Troughton had some glorious adventures, although I prefer the tone of the first Ice Warriors story. Um, or as Adam likes to call them, sea devils, smiley face. Yeah, I always get them mixed up. Um, he says, this is a great sci-fi story. My favourite of all the Who genres, plus uh, there's a great foam party. Oh, wait, it's actually a deadly poison designed to kill humanity. Um, save me, Jamie. Uh, joking aside, my only complaint is that the vocal slurping of the Ice Lord is a bit OTT. A great villain, though. I give it an eight Mars invasions out of ten. Hey, cool. Uh, Sammy Satine from Down Under says, excellent story. It's a bit weird for me seeing the Ice Warriors in black and white. Love the TARDIS team uh, and the second Doctor. Um, nice that Canberra got a mention. 
Yeah. Uh, she gives it an eight out of ten. Joseph Howarth says, this is actually better than I originally, when I originally watched it. When I first watched it, it was bad, but now it is very good. Ice oh. Warrior story, plenty of action, suspense, and Troughton gives a memorable performance here. I'll say this and I'll say it again. Why is Zoe a companion that doesn't get talked about a lot in Who fan base? She's mm. absolutely brilliant. Uh, and she's smart and she's equal to the Doctor and one of my favourite companions. Very mm, underrated. Good point, actually, yeah. Uh, weird in the Ice Warriors in black and white when I'm so used to seeing them in colour, but that's just me. Otherwise, uh, this is a, uh, a brilliant story. Highly recommended, 9 out of 10. Okay, yeah, 9 out of 10. And lastly, George Puddy says... Good story. Troughton is on top form as the Doctor and the Ice Warriors are better than they've ever been. The whole TARDIS team gets something to do and the idea of the rocket is a great one. One thing I will say is like a lot of the um, early Doctor Who, it suffers from too long syndrome. Mm. And the story could have been easily narrowed down to four parts. But overall, it's still very good. I give The Seeds of Death a 7 out of 10. Mm, Decent. Indeed. Anything over on the on the Geek Sandbag page? Yeah, yeah, I had a couple. I just want to read these out. Just For some reason, you talking that person saying about colorizing, it just made me think that my partner said, had one comment about this story. Uh, he asked why the, they were wearing their pants on the outside of their... Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, no, it's not. And I was thinking, if that was in color, it might be more clear. But they have got... It does look like they're wearing their pants on the outside of their trousers. Like an it? electric tape in a sort of a <laughs> Y-front pattern. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be all the rage in the 21st century. Yep. Anyway, yeah, the comments on the Geek Sandbag. So Patrick Sherwood says it's one of the second Doctor's best episodes. So he loves the Ice Warriors as well as Jamie and Zoe. He gives it a 9.5 out of 10. Cool. Dean Jones, great story filled with memorable characters and strong performances. Plot is very engaging with fantastic villains in the Ice Warriors. Uh, for the limited budget, the production values are good and it's well directed. Uh, a tiny bit long. Um, he says the Grand Marshal doesn't look or sound great. What? What about all that glitter, Dean? Uh, he says this is second Doctor Gem, <laughs> nine out of ten. Uh, Charlie Turner, one of the best. He says my second favourite Ice Warrior story. Oh. Second favourite. Okay. The thing I love the most about it is the direction, uh, which makes for really great television. Nine out of ten. He says. So I wonder what his first favourite is. Hmm. Have to tell us. Alex. Oh my God, you'd love this surname, Alex Caffer. To Zigulula. I can't. Sorry, Sorry Alex. Alex. <laughs> yeah, Alex. Jinx. Alex Caff says uh, the first story, along with Death to the Daleks, that I bought on VHS. Uh, one of the two I preferred this story out of the two. Um, probably my favourite Ice Warrior story as well. An underrated gem, he says. The cliffhanger to part five is a joy. He gives it eight out of ten. Uh, apologies for not being able to pronounce your surname, Alex. Right, and finally, Bradley Willard says fantastic ice warrior story much better than the original in his opinion the martians themselves are represented in a very creepy fashion here and serve as a genuine threat for the doctor jamie and zoe plus i don't think the longevity of the six parts impends on my enjoyment of the serial it's truly a brilliant watch from start to finish certainly one of his favorites from the Troughton era he gives it a eight out of ten same as me i see yes some high scores there overall. So yeah, actually, yeah, all highs hmm. pretty much, aren't they? Nobody, nobody bashing it. Yeah, I didn't no. hear many complaints really. No, that's good. Good stuff. Thank you so much, everybody, for sending in your reviews. Mm. Next week, we're fast forwarding to modern Doctor Who. Yes. So, what is it for next week? 
Oh yes, it's a seventh Doctor story. Um, it's one that I did. I say seventh. Yeah. Oh, losing the plot. Tenth Doctor, even <laughs> got seventh on the tenth Doctor story. It's one I was convinced we'd done. This keeps happening. We must have chatted about it. Um, anyway, it's the Shakespeare Code next week, which is which is. And are you sure we haven't done it? We haven't done it, have we? We must have just chatted about it. I saw it when you put it on. There. I was thinking. Sure, we've done that one, but no, we haven't, so we will be. Shakespeare Code. Yes. Uh, that's Martha Jones, isn't it? Yes, Martha yes. Jones. Yes, yes, it is, yeah. Actually, I'm just looking to see which, so Series 3, yeah, yeah, it's uh, one of the ones you haven't done, actually. We've done quite a few from Series 3. Uh, this one, the Dalek two-parter, Human Nature, we haven't done. Mm. So, yes, which is... Which is, and Shakespeare, yes, a rock and roll Shakespeare, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I saw this one recently. They put it. We have a channel in the UK called W that used to be Watch, um, oh, and yeah. they show Doctor Who um, pretty much all the time. So this was on a couple of weeks ago, I think. All right, I haven't watched it for ages. Yeah, yeah seeing yeah. through it. <laughs> <laughs> so get your Blu-rays, DVDs, iTunes, VHSs. Netflix. <laughs> whatever medium you choose just get it watched for next <laughs> week because we'll be asking for your thoughts on it and i think we're going to do there for 175 yeah Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking around for 174, 175 even, 173, who said 176? It's the Ice Warrior gas, it's got to us. It's got to us. Thank you for sticking around for 175. <laughs> um, we didn't have much news, although we did, we did throw a couple of rumours around. <laughs> yeah, we don't normally do that, do we? Yeah, so I just want to reiterate that they are rumours. Do not jump onto Twitter or Facebook or any other social media channel and give us a hard time if any of those things happen to be untrue or don't come to fruition. That's right. There's no spoilers here. It's all rumour and hearsay. Some cool match, though. Pre-ordered the Enemy of the World special Mm. edition, and I'm very happy to be pre-ordering it. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I'm not going to do is complain about it on Twitter. No. I would just not buy it. <laughs> Anyways, next week, the Shakespeare Code. Mm, bit of tenant. Bit of tenant action to get that watched. Until then, head over to our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of the episodes over there, plus you can link off to the social media stuffs and give us a like and a review and all that jazz. And there's also links there to go off to the podcast networks so you can subscribe and never miss a show when it goes out every Friday morning, UK time. Mm. There's also a big button there for iTunes. If you're an iTunes listener, if you could spare a moment for a review and a rating, that would be amazing because that really helps us lots. Mm. Pushes us up the thingy-me-jig chart and all sorts, yeah. If you want to head over to YouTube and check out some awesome geekery over there why not Mm. check out adam's channel the geeks handbag yes go and have a look yeah lots and lots of very cool geek videos over there 
unboxings, reviews, on-the-spot reviews, convention stuff. It's just an insane amount of great stuff over on Adam's channel. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. Every day crazy. Okay. Until next week, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, See, I know. Yeah.